My name is Warren Brosey, one of the ministers here at Berlin Church. I want to welcome you for those who are in person, those who are joining on Facebook, YouTube, or listening on the phones right now, like someone like Gene Tolliver might be listening to the phone right now. We are glad that you're worshiping with us today, and I want to go over two quick housekeeping things, and then, then I'll preach. Does that sound okay? Uh, one, uh, Christmas Eve service. Did you get a little card? Remember last week, if you were here last week, you got another card. That's the same one, uh, and remember, that card's not for you. Uh, I want to encourage you to pass it on to someone, to give that. Invite them to Christmas Eve, our gathering here in this room, uh, December 24th, 7 p.m. It'll also be online, YouTube, Facebook, and the phones. So take advantage of that opportunity. It's going to be a fun night. Uh, We'll have a children's moment, candle lighting, communion, a special time uh, to, to, to carve out for your Christmas celebration. And the nice thing is, if you're doing family stuff or out of town, It's there on Facebook or YouTube later, so catch it uh, Christmas morning. might be a new uh, thing you want to incorporate as well. So take advantage of that. Leading into Christmas Eve, we're doing a 24-hour prayer event, and I want to encourage you uh, to sign up. Uh, There's times from December 23rd to December 24th, uh, and if you're not online, call the church office. We can get that material to you, but we have a prayer guide online as well as uh, in paper form that we'll be making available. Uh, That's a fun time. Sign up for 30-minute slots, and some of you are like, there's no way I can pray for 30 minutes. I guarantee you, you can, and we're going to help you. Uh, I just want, one of the things I want to be here at Berlin Church is people that pray. And God is going to work through the prayers of his people. Uh, You may want to do this solely, individually. Um, You might want to get your family, get a few people, Um, I'm even kicking around seeing if we can do some kind of virtual thing like we've done in the past with some of our missionary partners around the world. Uh, So I just want to encourage you to pray and uh, sign up uh, through our website uh, and you can uh, take advantage of that opportunity. So getting us ready for for Christmas. So I brought something. Do you guys recognize what this is? uh, These things are called a, a road atlas. This is even 2021 large scale. Uh, for a variety of reasons. So before Google Maps, before GPS, uh, we use these things, you remember? And so we chose to use one of these this summer on our adventure. And uh, we had lots of fun getting to travel. And we got to go out to Montana. It was so fun. And so we got the little yellow highlighter so we could, you could see how far <laughs> that was uh, one day's journey just about uh, from, we went, started just out the Billings. Uh, Montana, and we went to about a little bighorn, and then we drove. This was a very desolate area here in southeastern Montana on, on route to uh, Leeds, South Dakota, where we eventually uh, went to Mount Rushmore and some things. So that's some of our adventure. And so it's always good to have an atlas or some type of map whenever you're going on a journey, on an adventure, because it helps you know where you are and where you're going. And this month, we're, we're talking about this preparing for the journey, and I'm thinking of, of, of Joseph and Mary. They had 90 miles to go from, from Nazareth in the north down to Bethlehem, probably on foot, 90 miles, and she's nine months pregnant. Ladies, do you feel for her? And I don't know, maybe she had a donkey. I don't know if that would have been helpful or not, to be honest. So uh, we just have this picture of them on this journey uh, to go uh, to, to Bethlehem. And uh, I just want to think about our journey with Jesus. It's helpful to have a map, something to help us know where we are, where are we going. And last week we talked the importance of, of on your journey, you need a guide. And I asked about who is your Silas, your friend beside you. 
Who's your Barnabas, that mentor person that is further ahead of you on the journey? And who's your Timothy, someone who is earlier on their walk and that you can kind of look back and help them? You need someone beside you. You need someone further ahead of you. So have you identified your Silas and your Barnabas and your Timothy? And have you talked with them? I just want to encourage you to, to talk with them and say, hey, let's, I, I want you to know you are this for me and just have that conversation. In fact, I reached out to a Barnabas uh, person this week, uh, Tom Ewald from, from Lincoln Christian. He's been here to preach before. I said, hey, um, I'd like to just have someone uh, older, wiser just to talk to. And he said, be happy to. And someone have lunch with him this, this week. So I'm doing what I'm asking you to do is what I'm trying to say here. So we're on this journey. You need a map, and uh, this is our map. We call it the Bible. In fact, uh, it's so, so good. It's just so, so, so good. And so the goal for this week is to really unpack this map, which is founded on our scripture verse from, from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. I want to encourage you, if you've not ever done this, a fun little take-home activity, uh, look in your Bible for all the chapter 3s and verse 16s. Now, not every Bible book has a chapter 3, and not every chapter 3 has 16 verses. But there's some cool 316 verses. Is there one that might sound familiar? For God so loved the world. And so 2 Timothy 3.16 is another one of those cool 316 verses. For God so loved the world. There's a story, Dr. Clyde Calver. He was former president of this mission organization called World Relief. And he was taking uh, humanitarian aid to Africa. And they, the Christians had gathered up and had seed for them to plant to grow crops to help fend off starvation. And so he arrives in Africa and he sees about 250 Africans huddled underneath a big shade tree. Well, he's been to Africa long enough to know what's happening. They're having church. And so he goes up to this group of 250 and uh, introduces himself. And, and uh, they, they say, hey, we're worshiping Jesus. Do you? Do you know Jesus? And Dr. Clyde Calver, Christian, he's like, yes. Yes, I, I know Jesus. Hey, he knows Jesus, and they're very excited. And then they say, hey, we've heard there's a book. Have you seen the book? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen the book. I've got, I've got lots of copies of it back home. Uh, maybe you're like him. Yeah, I, I've seen the book. He's seen the book. They're so excited. And then he goes in and says, hey, there are people from America that have brought you seed to grow food so that your children will not die. Here's this seed. And they're like, can you tell the people in America, thank you. That's, that's so nice. But can we have the book first? When given the choice of a Big Mac or a Bible, which would you choose? They chose the Bible that day. Now, I'm not trying to be silly with you because if it's lunchtime, I get, you know, it makes sense. But I'm just telling you that they captured what Jesus said. Man doesn't live on, every, on, on just bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So we're going to look at this book today. In fact, it's better probably call it a library 
If you look at your Bible more as a library than a book, it might help put some things together. In fact, there's really sort of two collections in this library. Some of us, we would call it an Old Testament and a New Testament. People might call it the Hebrew Bible and the writings of the apostles. But we're going to look at this collection of books, this library that we call God's Word, and we're going to find some things out about it. It's the best-selling book of all time. And so God's Word is going to change our lives. And we get back into our, our key verse for today, which is in chapter 50 of our Core 52 study. So do you hear 50 of 52? We're on the home stretch, folks, of this journey. And so if you don't have a Core 52 book, we still have some available. Grab one on your way out. Uh, some of, I've even heard a couple of people saying, I'm already going to do Core 52 again next year because there's some things that I didn't get to this year that I want to try and work on next year. Go for it. That's, that's fine. And so this core verse from 2 Timothy about the importance of this library of books really is the foundation of, of our core values. Our leaders spent uh, several weeks years ago in saying, okay, what's important for us as a church? What do we need to always agree upon as followers of Jesus here in this local body? And if this gets violated, then we need to leave. And everyone's list tops was, we value God's word. We value God's word. And so that's, and we put this verse. So if you walk, you go out and hang a right to our fellowship hall, you're going to see core values all on the walls. And the one of them you see is that we value the authority of God's word. And that there's going to be times in this life where there's going to be a lot of different viewpoints. And we're going to have to decide which do we choose. And we believe that this book, this library of books, is going to help us know what we need to do. Because let's be honest, there's just some crazy times happening. And we need some truth to ground our lives upon. So John Stott helps us understand what's happening in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. He gives us the God, God through the Apostle Paul says that there is this origin, where, where the Bible came from, and its purpose. All Scripture is God-breathed. So all Scripture is inspired. That's the word inspired. The second one is that all Scripture is useful. God breathed and is useful. There's this little three-letter word called and in both English and Greek where it says all Scripture is God breathed and is useful. And they seem to go hand in hand. And so that all means all. It's not like this Bible isn't just a smorgasbord where you can go to Golden Corral, which I've heard is open now. You, you, uh, you can actually just go and take some things here and there, and I don't really want this teaching. I'm going to leave that to side. No, Paul says all is inspired. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's breathed out by God. What in the world does that mean? Well, the word for breathe is the same word for Holy Spirit or Spirit. So this book is inspired. You hear spirit in there. Some would say, well, what do you mean by inspired? Well, some people think, okay, if I had a, had a painter up here and, and they did this nice painting, you'd say that painting is inspired. Or if someone writes a poem, they would say they were inspired. That's one way to look at that. But we're looking at this in a different level. This is inspired by God. So this collection is a divine book. 
And I was reminded this week that it took a thousand years for the Old Testament to get put together. Just can you wrap your mind around that? One thousand years from the time when Moses started writing stuff to, to, to prophet Malachi? A thousand years. How old's America? Two hundred and some odd, right? thousand years just to get the Old Testament. New Testament was around 50 or 60 years for the, for the writing to get kind of organized and, and you know, or accepted. Like, okay, we believe that this is what's, what's going on. This is no ordinary book. And we would say it's inspired. It's breathed out by God. You go to your first page in your Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and we have the breath of God the Spirit of God hovering over the surface of the deep. And, the, and God said, let there be light, and boom, the lights are on. God is a speaking God, and from the first pages of the Scripture, He is speaking out, and things happen. Whenever God talks, something happens. We have a special book here. It's breathed out by God. When He says all Scripture, the Apostle Paul says all Scripture, what does He mean? Well, most of us say, well, we say all this, this whole entire book. Well, you've got to remember when Paul's writing this, there's a lot of the New Testaments that's just floating around out there. It's starting to circulate, but it's not been formally collected or you know, accepted. So at minimum, he's talking about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible is inspired. It's God-breathed. And a lot of us are like, well, we're New Testament Christians, so we don't read that Old Testament. My friends, the Bible that Jesus used would have been the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament. And if you go just a couple verses earlier in our text from 2 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, here's what, what he has to say. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. He's even getting at, at this, that this is a collection, this is a, a library of books. The Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. I love that the Apostle Paul is, is connecting how the Old Testament points us to Jesus. That the faith that we have, the salvation we have is through Jesus. And I can tell you, when you start realizing that your Old Testament points to Jesus, you get pretty excited about it. But at first glance, we like, old things are broken down and we just need to throw, throw them away. No, the Hebrew Bible, Old Testament, First Testament, it points to Jesus. There's a group of, of teachers out there. They've got podcasts and videos and really cool things. They're called the Bible Project. I don't know if you've seen the Bible Project, but note this. Uh, go just Google Bible Project. These guys are fun and they're really sharp. And their, their mission is that we believe the Bible is a unified story that leads to Jesus. If you really want to know what this book's about, that's a pretty good book. We, we talk about how this is a Jesus book. The Hawaiians have a, 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 a translation of their New Testament. Uh, it's in pidgin. It's an island language. And they call their Bible, the New Testament, the Jesus book. The Jesus book. So maybe you want to read the, the Islanders' translation of the Jesus book. And uh, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's pidgin, so it's kind of like Jamaican patois type stuff. It's English-ish, sort of. Grammar's really rough, but they just call it, it's the Jesus book, man. Okay? And so it's, that's what it's like, okay? So this book points us to Jesus, which would make sense because it's his book. It's inspired. It's breathed out by God. 
One other thing about this concept of, of inspiration before we move on to how the Bible is useful is that here's my take. There's a lot of different views on inspiration, okay? And a lot of people love Jesus and have different views. So I'm just kind of sharing my take. Uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit is the author and that the humans are the writers. It's God's book to humans. But I don't think that God just dictated to the writers everything word for word and they just had no, pro- they had no interaction with, with the message. It was just strictly, they were just mindless typewriters or you know, just copying down dictation. Now there's times where that was true. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Jeremiah and he said, so I think there is definitely God saying, Jeremiah, tell the people this and he says the words. But you read through your Bibles and there's just times where the, the words, that's just different. You know, the way that John writes in his gospel is different than Dr. Luke in the gospel of Luke and Acts. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's, there's some personal writing styles. We all write differently. And so there's some, some, some perspect, personality stuff even in the Bible. Now the Holy Spirit is still guiding the process. So it's God's, God's message, but I think he kind of gives them some some flexibility to write how they are gifted. Does that make sense? That's just my opinion on how this inspiration might have taken place. So this book is inspired. All of Scripture is inspired. And second, all of Scripture is useful. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful. Now, I'll be honest. There's some verses in this book that appear more useful than others. Have you read this book and there's just some stuff like, God, why is that even in there? I do not get it. And I'll be honest, there's some disturbing pictures in this Bible. And there's some things that are not popular in today's culture. But if you can read it with a big picture in mind and look at some context and remember who it was written to, some of those disturbing pictures kind of start getting into focus. You're like, oh, now I understand why you do that, God. You're a holy, perfect God. You are the judge, and I am not. And so some of the, even the things that seem confusing on surface level, and some of those miscellaneous Old Testament laws, when you back it up and say, oh, I get it, God. But at first glance, it's, it's confusing, and it's disturbing. But Paul says all Scripture is useful. That word useful could be profitable or valuable. Paul likes this word. He uses it a couple other times in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. 1 Timothy 4, verse 8, he says, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. It's beneficial. It's useful. Your physical training is useful, but godliness is useful for all things. In his letter to Titus, Paul says that these things like grace and good works, they are useful. They're valuable. So this scripture is valuable. It is useful. And how is it useful there in our text? We hear it. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And here's the purpose. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This book is useful for teaching. That's what's happening right here in this moment. And that's what we expect to happen whenever we have teaching experiences here in church and small groups and things. We want to open up this word because this is what we believe is true. We can stand on it. Now, this book is also used for rebuking 
correcting. Those are sometimes difficult to do. But when done in the right spirit with gentleness, truth, and grace, this helps us guide us and change our thinking. And for training, it can help us practice. It can just help us get in shape. This book is useful so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul gives us a little clearer understanding of what this looks like because he says, remember what it's going to be like out there. You're going to need this book. You go earlier in chapter 3, 2 Timothy, verses 1 through 5. He says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. This next one's scary. Having a form of godliness but denying its power have nothing to do with such people. He says, mark this in the last days. And I believe we've been in the last days for over 2,000 years. And so this that he's laying over the first century is true of this century as well. And do you know some folks like this? And we can be guilty that we might be in some of those categories. I, if, 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 if I counted it right, there's 19 in that list. And these lists that he gives you, he just says after like number three or four, you're like, you get the point. But what stood out to me was disobedience to their parents, been there, done that. Got to be careful even as adults. The other one that stood out to me was ungrateful. We had our small group here this morning, and I just said, what are we thankful for? We need to remember that we're cultivating an attitude of thankfulness, of gratitude. So here's why this book is helpful, is that we walk in, in these days where it's not popular to trust in God's Word, but it's useful. If you read in your Core 52 study this week, Mark Moore cites a study that says those who engage in Scripture at least four times a week have better marriages, have healthier habits, have better self-esteem. So do you want any of that? Do you want a better marriage? Read your Bible. You want some healthier habits? Read your Bible. You want some better self-esteem? Read your Bible. I know it's so simple, but it's, it really is that simple. And we need to approach this book with the right attitude. So how can you be thoroughly equipped for every good work? Well, I think it talk, it, 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 it's with your attitude. How do you look at this book? Scott Gibson asked this question, Do I subject my thought to scriptures, or do I subject the scriptures to my thought? Which wins? My way of thinking, or what God's word says? Now, again, the, the other side of this is that we've got to get this interpreted pretty well because, let's be honest, there's some weird, wacko interpretations. They're like, that's not right. So we need to kind of address that. That's true. But rightly understood with a group of people that love Jesus and that have some encouragement for one another, we can understand this book pretty well 
and realize, okay, here's what God's Word's saying. The other thing, too, is that God's Word isn't going to address every single little issue to you verbatim. It's not going to address every single question you have. But I think we can look at the principles and say, okay, based on what I'm seeing, this is what, what God's Word says in this situation. It's more of an attitude, less than a method. But I think we still have to have some type of method to get into the Word of God or we're not going to get it. And so I want to give you in, our, in a little bit here, we've got time together, is one way of, of looking at the Bible. Just one way to get into God's Word. Because you're like, okay, preacher, read my Bible. I get it. What do you mean? What's that look like? Okay? Let's be honest. What's that look like for you? There's a lot of right ways to do this. A lot of right ways. I was reading a book uh, this summer by Wayne Cordero called Leading on Empty. And he reminded me of a scripture method I'd forgotten. Uh, and it's called SOAP. SOAP. S-O-A-P. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. So as you're saying, okay, I'm going to read my Bible, preacher. Here's one way to do this. You can do it a lot of right ways. So scripture, you've got to get, pick a scripture, okay? And some just do this number. That's not bad. You're getting your Bible. Find some way to get into your Bible, I like to have some type of plan. What I, my plan is, I'm saying this is for me, just kind of crack on the door. You don't, your plan doesn't need to look like mine, but it can. And so I've been convicted to start my day with Scripture. So I've started reading a psalm. So I read a psalm in the morning, and then at night I have what's called a one-year Bible, and it gives me an Old Testament passage, a New Testament passage, a psalm, and a proverb. And so I'll hit that same psalm in the morning and the evening. That's my plan, Okay. You make your plan however you want to. There's this thing called version. If you're tech savvy, you want to get this on your phone or your tablet, version has all these kind of reading plans. You can do it by yourself. You can do it with others. That would be a tool. That's a plan. Mark Moore says you need a plan, a place, and a pen. So you get your scripture and you start reading it. And then you start to make some observations. You just maybe underline something. Maybe you have a journal. You write something about the scripture. You... You need to start looking at it a little more thoroughly. And can I just say that I would love to see you start, if you haven't, memorizing Scripture. And you're like, no, I ain't doing that, man. I ain't doing that. Because you're like, I'm too old to memorize Scripture. I keep my brain. It's just, it's old now. I love what Don Robertson said. One of our elders gone to be with Jesus. He says, these people say they're too old to learn new things. I hope I don't get that old. He said that when he was in his 80s. I hope I don't get that old. I believe in you. Your brains are smart, and they will do more if we kind of work them. It's a muscle, so we kind of need to keep our muscles going. So try memorizing Scripture or at least meditating on it to just kind of turn it over and reflect on it. Read it. And so you make your observation. I like to write a Scripture verse down, usually just a verse. It's maybe sometimes I get into two verses if it's really capturing me, but usually it's just part of a verse or something, and I write it down. There's something about that muscle memory of writing it, seeing it, putting it out, and, and reflecting it. So that's one way to get some observation. You're like, okay, what's going on here? Here's what I did this morning. Psalm 131, Psalm of Ascent, Psalm of David. And he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Wrote that down. And I'm like, that's pretty, I don't know what's all going on there, but I want, I want that. And then, um, 
I went to application. This is where I think we miss it most of the time, church, let's be honest. We'll read our Bibles, but we ain't going to do anything different about it. So then I'm like, okay, so I'm preaching this sermon. I'm telling people to apply their Bibles, so I better do something today. I've been trying to work on this. I'm just being honest. James says, don't just be listeners and hearers of the word, but be doers also. And so I'm, I'm saying, okay, calmed and quieted my soul. Thank you, Christopher. I'm going to take three good deep breaths today. That's my I will statement based on what I read. You, you see, this is not hard. And this is like less than 10 minutes you can do this if you just need a place to start. You, it's just get into God's Word. And so that was my thing. This week we had our small group uh, with our junior high students I've been telling you about. Had four or five junior high students. Had a high school student sitting in. We've got a little, uh, you know, Paul Timothy stuff going on there, mentoring, uh, and uh, we read through Mar- Matthew chapter 2. That's when the wise men come, and they follow the star, and they bow before Jesus and present their gifts. And so the Discovery Bible Study Method says, okay, we've read the Bible. Now you say, you finish the sentence, I will, and then you finish the sentence. And it's, it's just kind of fun just putting people, because they start squirming right. Because if you say, I will do this, then you kind of feel like you should do it. And so I'm not like trying to like pressure them, but I'm just, it's that, that moment of just thinking and our brains and it's just, it's, there's something going on here. And so um, here's what I said. Uh, the wise men, they, they bowed down before Jesus. So three times this week, I'm going to get down on my knees and, and pray. That was my I will statement. And next week when we get together, I can say, I've already done that because I have. One of our other teens, I like this one. He said, when I go outside and see the stars, I'm going to think about the glory of God. Right there in the text, I will. We're doing something more than just reading it, closing it, and moving on. Do you see what's, that, that's where the rubber meets the road here. If you want to really do something with God's word in your heart, that's what's going to happen. You've got to apply this. And then you close your time with some prayer. You can write your prayers out in a journal. You can pray them out loud to Jesus, whatever you need to do. But pray that scripture. We've been trying to, we have been, we're not trying. We are uh, modeling praying scripture through our Advent readings. Every prayer for our Advent this this year is just a scripture. We're like, I didn't want to write prayers this year. We're just going to pray the scriptures back. That's another tool of how we can pray. So, so remember, remember that. Boil it all down. Here's what, here's what I came today to say. Every word of God equips us for every good work. Every word of God equips us for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be equipped for every good work work. I'm naive enough to think that this collection of books can equip us for everything we need for the rest of our lives. It's up to you to believe it or not. And I'd be happy to have those conversations because I realize that there's, we're on a journey. Good news. We've got a map. It's called the Bible. Dr. Lynn Camp I think he's a doctor. He just got a promotion if he's not. Lynn Camp was a missionary with Eastern European Mission back in 1961. So think about Eastern Europe, 1961. He's living in Vienna, Austria, 
and he's, he and a co-worker are going over to Hungary, Budapest, Hungary. And so they're on the Danube Express, West Train Station, Vienna, Austria, heading for the half-day train trip across the, behind the Iron Curtain. Do you understand the concept, Iron Curtain? So communist-controlled Hungary. And their goal is, we want to get some Bibles to these people because we hear there's Christians over there and it's, they're serving Jesus under the radar because of the government. And the government has, has, has you know, kicked out the Bibles. There's no Bibles. There's, uh, the church is pretty well underground. They've said there's no more clergy, all types of things. So 1961, they go over. They spend a few days in Budapest, Hungary, and they find these names of people that they hear are followers of Jesus. And they run across a, a gentleman named Ivan Martos, or maybe it's better pronounced Ivan Martos. And Lynn Camp says this is the happiest, friendliest, just most joyous person in the, that God has ever created. Just a beautiful follower of Jesus. He is a, a, has a good job. He works as an official for the National Bank of Hungary. And they find out that he takes a couple trips from from. Uh, Hungary over to Vienna a couple times a year. So they're like, hey, next time you're, you're in town, let's, let's get together. And so they, they start building that friendship. Lynn Camp, Yvonne Martos. On one of those trips, they pick him up at that same train station, and they can tell something's different about Yvonne Martos that day. He's not the happy, jovial, exi- you know, just joyous person. You can tell in his body language, something's wrong. And you can see there's almost tears in his eyes, and they're trying to figure out what, what happened, what's, what's going on. Somebody died, what, what is going on? And he recounted the story with them before they even left the train station. He said, on my journey today, uh, we were two stops away from the border, coming from Hungary into Austria, and the guards come, and they start checking our paperwork. And, you know, just documentation because of the border crossing, you know, still under communist control. And they come to me, and all my papers are fine. That's fine. Uh, and then they said, we'd like to look through your brief, briefcase. And so he, they open his briefcase, and they grab his Bible, first thing. And they know that he is a high official in the bank of, of, of Hungary. And they're like, you believe in this and your prestigious occupation? They're holding this up in the train car. He says, what makes you think you should believe in this? And before he has a chance to respond, they throw his Bible out the window of the moving train. And he's recounting this story to Lynn Camp. You know, that's, that Bible is his best friend. He's in trouble. Two years go by. Yvonne Martos, back home, Budapest. Package arrives. He doesn't recognize the return address. His wife's cooking supper. He comes to the table. He starts unpacking it. And guess what it is? It's his Bible. How does his Bible get there two years later? And there's this letter in his Bible. And it goes something like this. There are some of our children were playing one day by the railroad tracks. And they found your Bible. They didn't know what they had. Remember, the government had kicked all the Bibles out. They took it to Grandma. Grandma recognized the Bible. And the older people, they remember the days where there were Bibles and they had recognized that there was power and that those, that Bible changed people's lives. 
And they said, we kept this Bible concealed out of fear of what could happen. And for everyone who wanted to, they were able to take the joyous opportunity to make handwritten copies of your Bible. We're sorry it's taken us too long, two years. But here is your Bible back. Thank you. And we want you to know that there's 30 people now here who love Jesus. We've baptized one another and we've committed our lives to following Jesus every day. You can't make those stories up, friends. Every word of God equips us for every good work. I invite you to get into this library. It's dynamite. It's called a sword. It'll cut you. But if you approach it with the right attitude, it will change your life. Let's pray. King Jesus, we thank you for your word. Lord, I just confess there's times where I have chosen a Big Mac over your Bible. But Lord, I just want to pray for this group of believers. And I want to pray for those who are joining online. Maybe some are just kind of scrolling through and almost like seeing a random Bible thrown out, a railroad card. They just have picked this up. And maybe you're doing something special in this moment. I pray that we would value what you value. Jesus, we need help to be people of your word. We ask that your spirit would bring conviction. I pray that your spirit would open up our eyes because there's just confusing things in this book too. And I pray that we could overcome some of those hurdles. I thank you for faithful people that were diligent just to make handwritten copies to help preserve your word for future generations. God, change our lives through your word. Thank you for speaking to us each and every day. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If you need a Bible, uh, I will give you one before you leave today. You see me. I'd be happy to share one with you. If God's doing something in your heart, you got some questions, you want to say, okay, I, I hear you, preacher, but I, I need to go a little bit further, be happy to pray with you. If you've never been baptized, you're like, I, I need, feel like I need to talk about that, be happy to visit with you on that. Know that we love you, and I'm proud of you. Let's stand and sing.